You're listening to Thinkers What Works Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Graham Stamen, founder and CEO of Shoe Theory, a technology and shoe integration company. Graham, welcome to the What Works Podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm proud to be on here, and I'm glad to, glad to do this podcast with you guys. This is going to be fun. So t- talk to me about this technology and shoe integration company. What does that mean? Yeah, so the whole idea behind shoe theory when I started it was theorizing what I could do with shoes, and now it's kind of pivoted into what can I do with shoes and technology, and how can I integrate them? Like what? Like um, connecting your phone, for example, to your shoes through Bluetooth technology, or having removable soles to different parts of your shoes, uh, kind of moving around. So making your shoe as adaptable and user-friendly as possible, and not just your standard shoe. Okay, so some so so part of it is like the technology of how the shoe is built, yeah. so that you can make things interchangeable. But then you also got this idea of Bluetooth in your shoe. What what are you talking about? Yeah, so um, Nike actually did a similar idea a few okay. years ago with right. um, a little Nike like chip inside your shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it remember that it didn't work out as well as I think they hoped it did um, because of a number number of reasons, but. I think um, having a similar idea in which you can kind of integrate health into your shoes, mm-hmm. um, similar to how Fitbit does, but just with your shoes would be an interesting way um, to use your footwear. With that, you can also do um, things like smart insoles. So you can actually now they're coming out with incredible technology of basically temperature controlled insoles. So you heating or cooling of your insole really? in your shoe. It's insane. And so where's the power for that come from? Um, That is, I think, a tech uh, tech company out in Silicon Valley. So um, like my idea was um, to like lease that technology and start to integrate it into shoes. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I also had a, a shoe company startup a couple of years ago. So, so you're thinking that? So, just just to clarify this, this idea of like a Fitbit type of thing where it's counting your steps from your arm, which is mm-hmm. an odd thing to do, but yeah. I understand the tech behind it. Uh, you're you're talking about well, maybe you could just count your steps, well, you know, from your steps. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. much simpler. Well, let's take a step back. So, last week uh, I heard Graham talk at the Beloit Startup Night. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, Graham, you're only 19 years old, and you told a funny story. Your mm-hmm. parents both have master's degrees? Yeah, so my mom has a master's degree, and my right. dad has a regular degree. Okay, so. and your brother is going where? My brother is an elite diver at University of Indianapolis. And you, at age 18, told yes. your parents that you don't want to go to college? Correct. Why? College is just not necessarily for me, and for, for a lot of reasons. Um, one being the huge amounts of debt, and two, I just find entrepreneurship and business so much more my style, and I feel I can get so much more done in four years of doing business-related things um, rather than going to college. Um, with that, I also got into a business program called Praxis that is essentially a college alternative business program where you do six months of online entrepreneurial kind of content and project-based learning, and then another six months uh, where you go work at a startup somewhere in the U.S. So to take a step back, you said you started something when you were 70. When's the first Mm -hmm. time you started like out Mm -hmm. there hustling, trying to sell stuff? When I was trying to sell stuff, like, like hustling was when I was a real young kid, like I was hustling on the bus in like third grade, like selling Pokemon cards, flipping sneakers, like going up to like neighbors' doors, shoveling driveways, like landscaping the whole nine yards. The shoe thing goes back way, way, way. Oh yeah, flipping sneakers is like way back in my childhood too. So how the flipping sneakers thing work? 
Um, so I would get on, I was actually a huge basketball player and so were a lot of my friends. And so at the time, Nike basketball shoes were huge. And so, uh, I would basically just get my sneakers and my friends would have their sneakers. So we would either trade them or I would just try and, um, basically do sneaker arbitrage and just flip them, buy them super cheap or like from like, like Goodwill stores and then basically go out and like sell them to my friends. And so I did that for a while. And even recently with all the different types of shoe apps that you have on your phone for flipping sneakers and all the Facebook groups and things of that nature, I've been doing it recently as well. So so shoes is, is a common thread mm-hmm. for, for a long time. I, I love the shoe industry. I think it's an incredible space, and I'm super passionate about creating products in this industry, and I, I think it has a lot of potential. Why? What's, a, what's so incredible about it to you? I don't know. I guess I'm just a little weird. Basketball. <laughs> well, okay, so you're a basketball player, right? Yeah. Basketball players are into their shoes. That's yeah. true. They, they, will, you know, mm-hmm. they will work three jobs to get the best, you know, get yeah. the best pair. So that's, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I started off as a sneakerhead, I think a little bit. And as I've kind of gone through sports, uh, through basketball, through track and field, through I skated a little bit before, um, all these different sports, I noticed one common theme is that there's so many different types of shoes and there's so much potential for a variety of shoes, material, how you can make up shoes, a, a lot of different ways to go about entering that industry. And so I've always been very focused on trying to get myself into into the shoe industry. So now that you're not even trying to get yourself in the shoe industry, you actually are in the shoe industry. Yeah. Tell me what's that process been like for you? Oh man, it's been crazy. I because I originally started off not knowing necessarily how to really even build or manufacture shoes, and so I started off just with a sketch of a shoe, and I said, "All right, like, what can I do to make this become a reality?" Yeah. And I put it into Adobe Illustrator. I mocked it up. I was like, "Okay, I guess I got to get the specs for it now and figure out how I'd manufacture it." And so I learned that you have to make something called a tech pack, short for technical pack, um, which has all the information a manufacturer needs to basically give you a quote on producing your shoe or start manufacturing your shoe. And so I built up this whole tech pack. It's a huge, long, full 18 page document with all uh, types of specs. And then from there, I started sourcing for a manufacturer. And eventually I found a manufacturer an hour outside of Singapore and um, got got a shoe deal. So now I, I I'm actually wearing the first how did, models. Right, how, how did you find a manufacturer outside of Singapore? Did you yeah. just like hop on well, the web, <laughs> or did you get some help along the way? Yeah, I definitely had some help along the way. I I originally was looking into like shoe sourcing agents, which are people who would just source for you. Um, and then I kind of talked to people like the uh, man named. Uh, sorry, excuse me, down at Runner's Image originally helped me a little bit with kind of t- thinking about how you would get into wholesaling or how would you potentially get into manufacturing. And so he gave me some interesting insight, um, which is to go on to essentially Alibaba or um, uh, Thomas.net, which is a couple places where you can find manufacturers and suppliers and things of that nature. And so I went on to Alibaba and went through and basically emailed and messaged a ton of manufacturers until I got the deal that I wanted. And here we are. (laughs) Awesome. So you have shoes 
all ready to rock and they're, they're being sold now? Um, we're in pre-orders right now. Okay. So I'm actually wearing the first models right now. Yeah. So we do have them manufactured, but uh-huh. we are in the pre-order stage right now. How many? Well, I was going to say, next week, mm-hmm. this will come out Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And you have how many days left in your Kickstarter campaign? We have 14 days left on the Kickstarter. So that's why kind of we rushed them in here so that we could get it out there for them. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's around Christmas time and Thanksgiving and all that stuff, too. It's Absolutely. Good. It's good timing for you. So, <laughs> so the Kickstarter campaign, has that been going well for you? Yeah, it's been going pretty well. Um, in the first week, we had uh, around $700 in pre-orders, which was pretty good. And now yep. we're closer to $1,000 in pre-orders, which is really good. We yep. need total um, 84 pairs sold before we can start mass production. So we're almost 20% of the way there. Really? What, what, okay, nice. so you, you did all this work on mm-hmm. how do you make it, right? Now the next step is how do you sell it? Mm-hmm. Right? Now you've been in sales, yeah. like off and on since you're, since third grade. <laughs> <That's both laughs> yeah. great. Who hasn't? Yeah. So what have you learned? I mean, there's got to be some learning steps, though. What's oh. the learning curve on the sales side? Absolutely. So one thing is that I, I always hear people say sales are about relationships. And that's one thing I think has held true, tried and true, um, through trying to get people to buy shoes and sneakers, which is that the more you kind of talk to people in relationships, um, you do start to see that come through in the sales and like not trying to like use them at all, but just like talking to people and you find out someone is interested in a certain type of shoe and you figure out that the product matches the person and it's a perfect fit to help that person out. And so that's one thing I've learned. And then the other thing is just promoting um, kind of the problem that your product solves as well, which is a little difficult with um, a shoe that I kind of just started off saying, can I do this? Yeah. And so, cause one huge part of entrepreneurship is just solving a, solving a problem so you can get out in the marketplace. Yep. And with this shoe, I've noticed one problem I accidentally uh, kind of solved was making a more, uh, a higher durable shoe for extreme athletes is, is one thing. And so I've actually tested this shoe among extreme skateboarders, BMX athletes, and a lot of extreme athletes. And it's held up incredibly well compared to, some of the comp- competitors' shoes and sneakers, which end up getting holes and all kinds of tears and rips in them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this the shoe theory thing you've got you've got one model mm-hmm. that's going to be released. Yeah. And this idea of tech, what is what is unique or or, or interesting mm-hmm. about the shoe that you're selling? So this initial shoe is really a, a base model to kind of get us up to the point where we can start making crazy technology into shoes. But this shoe does have. I mean, it's a it's an incredible shoe and it's very above average than a lot of casual shoes in the market or extreme shoes in the market. And so it's got a very, it's got a thicker canvas upper, which is the type of, um, excuse me, material that you use for um, the main, I guess, holding of your foot part of the shoe. Mm -hmm. And then the, it's got a vulcanized rubber sole on it. So that's also way more durable than uh, your average shoe. And it's got a nice leathery kind of finish around the opening of the shoe which makes kind of stepping into it really awesome. So as far as material technology, we've kind of upgraded from your casual, your regular casual shoes. Mm -hmm. And then the actual like tech tech part of it will be integrated later on. So interesting. So when you, when you decide to get into this shoe thing, what kind of research did you do? uh, In, in that space? It seems like a crowded space. I, I, oh yeah. uh, But you know, everybody 
has shoes and lots of pairs of shoes. Yeah. I originally, actually, my research started on my first shoe venture, which was when I was 16. And so I was going through the Hananiga incubator program and me and a team of four people actually tried to make a track shoe um, for track athletes that had a removable sole. So that's where my kind of removable sole idea came from. And what, why? What would, what would that fix? That would fix. So the, funny enough, the problem was is that I wasn't a tr- track athlete at the time, and I kept finding these problems with going on cement or having indoor outdoor meets or different types of. And so there's so many different types of track shoes. There's triple jump, high jump, sprinting, long distance, indoor, outdoor. And we kept finding all these problems with you'd either have to buy multiple shoes to get top performance, or you just wouldn't you weren't able to afford it and you just have one pair of spikes and that'd be it. And so we started developing a shoe that had a removable sole so you could have different types of tread for indoor, outdoor, fixing the problem of being able to have one shoe that did like seven different things. And so we pursued that venture for a year. We had investors involved and we had patent lawyers, engineers, the whole nine yards. And then at the end of the day, the production company that we were working with told us that it would take a hundred to $400,000 to get to market, which for high school students is like a no go instantly. So yeah, so that was a fun venture. And during that time is when a lot of my research happened into um, the manufacturing market, market shares of competitors and all that um, snaz. So. so what have you done differently this time? Yeah. So this time it's been an interesting process. I've started off with a um, more basic model shoe that wasn't as complex, but I've also learned um, an enormous amount about sneakerheads and about the industry as a whole rather than just track and field. And so I've in- instead of going just for track athletes, I'm now going towards extreme athletes and um, a myriad of other. Well, they last longer. They last longer too, right. yeah. I mean. Extreme athletes are like their seventies. Yeah, track <laughs> yeah. athletes pretty much down when they're twenty-two. Yeah, I'm curious about the team building. So you worked mm-hmm. with four people mm-hmm. at at Hananiga, right? Yeah. Who's on your team now? Just me. Just you. I've done Is all that this. by choice, or did you have team members and you're like, you know what, I, it, it didn't work out. I mean, yeah, I mean it's interesting because I started off alone, kind of just figuring out like if I could like do it, and then I was just I figured I'd just go on this project until I hit a wall, and then I never hit a wall, and I kind of just figured out each step and figured out each problem as I went along, and um, I never really felt a need to get team members, but now I'm kind of looking at maybe I'd rather have a small part of a watermelon rather than a small part or a big part of a grape. So that's kind of what I'm looking at, and I'm thinking about maybe expanding because. I do think someone to share the workload a little bit would be nice. And being like a solopreneur is a lot of work all the time. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. Especially when, and, and like we talked about before, especially when you're on the manufacturing side of things, which you're learning about. Yeah. And now you're on the sales marketing side of things, which is a whole nother beast. Which oh, you're yeah. Learning about. oh yeah. Yeah. Cause my favorite part is really the creative part of it between production design that's like where i lie like i'm totally down to like drop shoe designs anytime and illustrator or whatnot and then also do like fun marketing pieces like i love the creativity aspect of it and that's when i like break out the whiteboards and i get like all the thoughts flowing and like asking my parents or friends like if they'd be in a video or to like do this or that and so that's like where i really like to do things so having someone else to fill in that other space would be incredible yeah, so it sounds to me like your 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 uh, kind of love of this 
is in the design. Mm-hmm. So you, you want a cool looking shoe and a cool performing shoe that you can then go off and sell. Yeah. All right. So, so the production stuff, how's that been, how has that been going for you? This manufacturing thing, is that the kind of just the that's thing the that down you hate? the dirty part. Right? Yeah. That's <laughs> the part that's of the business you don't like. Yeah. That's, it's been fun. Um, I, the manufacturer I have an agreement with, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who runs the production facility, his name is George. Okay. And George often calls me at one or two or three in the morning because the time difference. And so oh, that's yeah. been a real struggle when, you know, someone wakes up in the middle of the night, who are you talking to? And I'm like, I'm talking to George over in (laughs) Singapore. So, um, yeah, that's been a real interesting thing, especially with when a manufacturer doesn't get the design right on their first kind of prototype or sample. And then it becomes your job to kind of communicate to them, like, look, we can't really have this and we have to fix this. And then you have to go through multiple prototypes and kind of figure out, the right type of design and things of that nature. For example, the first prototype that the manufacturer pumped out for me, he put a competitor's sole on the, on the bottom of the shoe. And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to get sued if I have that on the bottom of the shoe. So I think we need to change that. It's not the original design I had. Where's that shoe now? It's on your feet. wearing them. <laughs> I just can't mass produce them. <laughs> so it's been it's been a fun journey for sure. <laughs> what what's been the what's been the worst part? Oh man, telling your parents you didn't want to go to college. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> saying I'm going to start a shoe company instead. <laughs> it's a pill to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. I would say the hardest part is, or the worst part, I guess, yeah. is um, finding. I, well, it's the best part and the worst part is finding people to buy your shoe because, on one hand, you have all these people who potentially love your product, and on the other hand, you have to go out and find all of these people and do all of this insanely hard work that maybe you're not suited for, or maybe you are, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely a lot of work. And it's one thing I've noticed is that you got to be willing to burn the midnight oil and grind at all costs to really get something like that like this like above ground or just to start and i'm just by myself so well, it's yeah, like yeah because eventually you have to get out beyond just people you know buying your shoes oh right? yeah because it's like the insurance industry you're gonna run out of people right you're exactly gonna, you know you have to you have to you have to get that ball rolling so that mm-hmm. somebody in singapore buys your shoes that you never met yeah. so what are you doing to get the ball rolling I am doing a lot of, um, one, social media marketing. So okay. that's been a huge aspect. Like what? Um, like. Uh, Break that down because that's, that's a big yeah, nebulous that, word. That is yeah. A, yeah. What specifically are you doing? Um, so one thing that we're doing is extreme videos on Twitter and Instagram. Um, okay. Which has been really fun. So I talked about how I tested these shoes with extreme athletes. Yep. And that's where you can see some of these videos. And so I've been... For, you've been getting skateboarders to wear your shoes and crash oh man Is that, yeah. let me tell you a story real quick so <laughs> i the first time i had a biker basically try these shoes on and yeah. i i said hey man like i was just wondering if you could do a backflip in these shoes real quick and he said yeah yeah definitely like no problem i can definitely do that i said okay the one thing is is this the only pair that we've that we've manufactured so you you can't screw them up or you you know you can't fall or do anything that would be like worst case scenario and he was like yeah no problem man like i got it and he pursued to go up this ramp do a backflip and he landed wrong and so his feet drug behind him for 30 feet and 
that's how I figured out how durable the shoes really are because then we looked at the shoes and there was not a mark on them. Really? Nice. Like really, yeah. I wow. well, there was a little like scuff, but I cleaned sure. it off at home and it was like not. Yeah, was, but what was going through your mind as he's dragging your shoes across? Well, I was holding the camera too, and I was like, <laughs> "Holy cow!" Like, instantly freaked out. To, I'm a terrible person. I checked the shoes were okay first before him. I was oh like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, <laughs> I do the same thing. And then he was like, "So we're gonna do another one real quick," and I was like, "Bones heal, uh, all right, totally, yeah, yeah." yeah. Shoes you got to replace. Bones oh heel. my gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that shoe is probably as expensive to, as 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 expensive as fixing your 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 foot. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to talk, yeah, brass tacks here. Yeah. So so you you you've gone off and you've you've had people in your shoe doing extreme things. Yeah. To prove the durability of it, but also to align yourself with, hey, this is a cool shoe for cool people. Yeah. So um, one of the markets that I'm really focusing in is. Uh, like I said before, extreme athletes, skateboarding, biking, um, really just any kind of extreme living. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe not like climbing up mountains, um, <laughs> go to REI if you're going to get shoes for that maybe, but, um, that's one thing I'm definitely tackling. And then the other market is just regular casual wear. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've been doing written content on my personal blog on my website. I've been okay. doing lots of, like I said, Instagram, Twitter content, um, and so those are the main things we've, uh, I've been focusing on. But yeah, I've some some YouTube content as well, um, mainly mainly that type of content. Okay, so cool. And then the people the people you know, I'm assuming, share it out and get it out into the into the world. Yeah. So I've had a lot of people on Facebook, just word of word of mouth on Facebook. So just yeah. f straight up shares, and then also yeah. just hustling in person. Um, going to lots of networking events and just saying to people like, you got any kids that want some shoes or do you want some shoes? Or like just trying to yeah. sell it to people in person also. <laughs> it's just like a huge aspect of it because yeah. it's not all digital. So Well, it's difficult to do that, I'm sure, because you don't actually have shoes that they can have exactly. or that's, try on. That's, that is also one of the hardest parts is getting people to go on and pre-order something yeah. versus actually having it right there with you and saying, yeah. like, look, like giving that promise is more an investment in yourself than anything else. And it's it's been an interesting ride trying to yeah. get people to do that. So you're 20% to your filling your Kickstarter mm -hmm. and then out pops shoes. And then out pops the shoes. Yeah. Another, I think production, production will take about um, two months. So um, yeah. Should be should be fun. They're, we're starting off with just a limited edition run, so okay. it's going to be 500 pairs, and so we need about 84 pairs to get to mass production sold. So, um, yeah. I don't. Know, I just have all these different ideas, but I can't. You know, like what? Oh, mm -hmm. you know, like how do you get Fred Van Vliet to you know notice your shoes, right? Yeah. How do you get David Brown from Hananiga, who you know does basketball gyms? Mm -hmm. He'd be a guy for you. You know. So it's or like how to get somebody outside the Rockford area? Yeah, yeah. It's that you know, influencer right. thing. Have, yeah. you talked, have you thought about the you know the influencer market and, mm -hmm. how, and how to hit that? Yeah, that's one thing I've been doing a lot on Instagram. Actually, is um, reaching out to influencers and seeing if they, if for like a free a free pair of shoes, if they'd be interested in promoting it, and then also if I could potentially do like a small sponsorship for them, and doing things locally with that with extreme athletes, and then also over social media as well. So that's been something I've definitely been reaching out to and we actually had at a local event here a couple of days ago or a week ago where a guy from california came 
And he said, oh man, I have so many influencer friends that I'd love to share this with that are absolutely into the sneaker game. And so just making those little connections like that have been a huge help. So the influencer market is definitely something that can be taken advantage of. What is your, what is, do you think is your greatest attribute as an entrepreneur? I would say attention to detail and drive. are the two main things here because I remember like all throughout high school, like while everyone else is out partying, I'm inside grinding or I'm at like work as a dishwasher, just grinding away. And then the other part is attention to detail, which is also like design. Like I have a really like high standard for well-looking things, simplified things, and also just things in general that look really appealing. So I think those two things help me an enormous, enormously because if you look at a lot of the great entrepreneurs, they're, they have two skills, which is one is major, mainly design and then the other is coding or some other aspect like financial accounting or sales or something, something of that nature. You look at Elon Musk, he is absolutely into design and engineering. Bill Gates is coding and design. Steve Jobs is design and engineering. So. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that design piece, and then obviously drive is is one of the most important things. I think. How many times can you count? How many times uh, friends said, "Hey, let's go do this," and you're like, "No, man, I'm busy." Oh, unlimited times, unlimited times throughout <laughs> high school. Story and, of your life. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I I would often say in high school. So the where I worked at a, at yeah, a catering company. Yeah, not too long ago. It's not like we're talking ten years ago. <laughs> like <laughs> six like, months yeah. ago. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would often say like, yeah, I'm actually working this weekend, or I'm doing this or that, and then I would just go home and either work or grind or do whatever I needed to do to try and support my my business at the time. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, it sounds like you're. It sounds like you're on your way to uh, to doing something with the shoe theory thing. Thank you. Yeah, Praxis. I just want to ask a question mm-hmm. about that because I'd never heard of it. Oh yeah, talk about that. Yeah, so Praxis is. I'll uh, kind of reiterate a little bit about what mm-hmm. it is. Um, it's just a six month. Uh, first, it's a six month online entrepreneurial kind of boot camp program, mm-hmm. and then you do six months where you work at a startup somewhere in the U.S. And Who's so behind it. It's this company, the company name is called Praxis, okay. and it's essentially a, a lot of really, really smart people who um, say that value value creation is more important than college degrees, essentially, which I think holds a lot of merit. Your college degree should be creating value. Yeah. And if it's not, then yeah. you shouldn't be going to college. Yeah, exactly. So you're not going to be taking U.S. history to learn about... Business. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... That's it's been incredible, and um, I've, I'm constantly astounded by how much you can, especially in the business world, um, you can kind of bypass a degree if you, if you want. And I think he doesn't have one. Really? Nope. That's that's been one of the interesting things about studying other entrepreneurs too. Is that a ton of entrepreneurs don't have a lot college of entrepreneurs degrees. Don't have a college degree. Tim Storm. He didn't get a degree. Yeah. He, yeah, I he tried. Unfa- he had really? a fat wall. I, I kept trying and trying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. It was so stuck in my mind that I'm supposed to do that, that I just kept going back. It, yeah. that, it never worked out for me, but yeah. um, that was you know mm-hmm. by choice. Yeah, and so Praxis is full of college opt-outs and college dropouts who didn't drop out because they failed, but rather they dropped out because 
Sorry about that. Hopefully that's a sale. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> bing, bing, bing. We bing, have a winner. Bing, bing. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. No. Um, so, yeah, just full of college opt-outs and dropouts, dropouts who are just incredibly, like, smart and intelligent about what they're doing, the value they're creating for startups and things of that nature. I remember the first time I got on like a Zoom call with some Praxis participants and they were talking about the manufacturer that they were gonna use for like creating XYZ product and like using Bitcoin to do XYZ. And I was just in astonishment, like, <laughs> holy cow. And I thought I was like in way over my head, which I probably probably am a little bit, but. <laughs> if you're not if, if you're not a little bit in, in over your head, then you're not doing something right. It's profound. You really, you should, you, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of that idea that, um, what is it? If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're the, you're in the wrong room. Right. Mm. And, and so if you feel like you're in over your head mm -hmm. in, in what you're trying to do, that's really because you're being, you, you could be pulled forward into that or mm -hmm. you could back away from it. And if you have the mindset of, no, I can do this. I just have to figure out how, and mm -hmm. I have to line myself with people who know how you're being pulled into the thing now that you can, that you can now see. Mm -hmm. Right. Many people don't understand that they're in there over their head. They're ignorant to it. Mm. Right. Yeah. But you can see it. Yeah. You, you can see what this thing should be. Yeah. And that pulls you forward. Yeah. Or can pull you forward if you, if you let it. Absolutely. And the other thing I learned about that is also that everyone really just has different strengths and weaknesses. So mm -hmm. I might not have the same strengths as those guys who were talking about like Bitcoin and things of that nature, but I do have things in other fields that I feel like I can compare, maybe go forward. I have a feeling if this really takes off, you're not going to be spending your day working on shipping. You'll probably yeah. bring somebody in to work on shipping, right? Yeah. I, I just can't imagine you, you know, sitting going, this is fun. Yeah. Well, Graham, it's been a pleasure talking to you on the What Works podcast. How can people get involved in your Kickstarter campaign? Absolutely. So one, you can either go to my website, www.gramstamen.com, or you can go to just look up in Google Shoe Theory Kickstarter, and you'll get a link to the Shoe Theory Kickstarter campaign. You didn't buy that URL? Jason? Gramstamen.com? Yeah, you missed that one, huh? I missed it. You got, you got that, man. Uh, I probably oh, do. There you the What Works Podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.